Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Got all our lines wide open. You give us a call right now, put you up at the top of the list, won't even have to wait. There you go. Perfect time. <laughs> That's right. And this week is a good week to call because for the next two weeks, we'll have pre-recorded shows. We'll be out on vacation. Right. So if you got something on your mind, this now's is, the time. This is the time to get it in while we're in here fresh and ready to answer questions. Oh, there you go. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely ready to oh, answer questions. There you go. I don't know how fresh we are, but we're definitely ripped ready to go i thought we would talk just a little bit between the calls and again we try to get some type of direction to the show just makes it a little more cohesive i guess but you're never limited to what we're talking about you right calling anything might be on your mind but i thought we talked just a little bit about some of the myths that have persistently been in the automotive industry for years and years and years and years and how these are really not good not relevant well not good in, in many cases bad or harmful to the customer or sure. consumer who follows them and i guess one of the most persistent myths that i see out there is about oil engine oil mm-hmm. and that is that when your car gets older somehow it needs a different oil than it did when it was new and it was always put a thicker oil in yeah it. put a thicker oil because it's better for the car and even i see people with new cars oh well that all they spec out is too light or, yeah, we're gonna put a thicker thin. oil and the trend has been towards thinner and thinner and thinner oils with newer cars sure and the reason being because of the way they are designed that is the oil they need engine oil no longer lubricates the engine as a primary function that is one of the functions that right it has so many other jobs now tons of other jobs it's controlling variable cam timing it's lubricating a timing chain which is unlike any timing chain you ever had in your mind right the old chains and the old small blocks they were what maybe oh 10 inches long yeah six to 10 inches long driving a single cam now they may be three or four feet long and maybe three or four of them and they're driving multiple cam sprockets and it's all variable where they can right. change and cam you, timing you've got a chain tensioner that is also controlled by oil pressure right the oil pressure is driving that because the chain is so long you have to put a tensioner on it now to keep the tension in it and if you've got like your cam phasers on your ford engines that vary that cam timing that is directly dependent on all pressure if the pressure goes up or the pressure goes down it's going to change the cam timing and it can very easily throw a check engine light if you've got the wrong oil in the engine so the thing is there's an oil which is the proper oil which is what is specified for the car when it's new and that oil is good for the life of Of that engine engine. it doesn't matter if it's got four thousand miles or four hundred thousand miles you should always run the correct right that is not going to change and changing it is not going to help anything and can very very likely do some harm we'll talk about that in just a minute let's catch our phone lines we got brian on the line good morning brian hey lewis Yes, sir. Got a question. I had an oil change done at the dealership uh-huh. Thursday morning, and everything was fine. Got home. This morning, I get up, start the truck. I got a puff of gray-white smoke out of the tailpipe, which I've never had. I checked the oil level. First thing I thought of was the oil change, and my oil level was way over the full mark. Okay. So I run it to the mechanic shop that was open right by my house, mm-hmm. and uh, he verified way over full of my oil. Mm-hmm. So he drained it and refilled the oil. 
filter stayed because it did a filter change also. I put 100 miles on it since Thursday morning when they changed it. Mm-hmm. Do I have a problem here or do no. I worried? I doubt it would really do any harm, Brian. It What it can do, it can increase oil consumption, obviously, because when the oil level is too high, the crankshaft is beating through the oil. It's called windage. Yeah. And it throws it all up on the cylinder walls, and you can overload the rings so it gets by the rings and stuff. But the odds of it doing any harm, I mean, if you did that for – 10,000 miles, it could possibly do some damage. But for 100 miles, no, I I don't think you'd have any problem at all. I wouldn't be scared of that. I mean, it's best if it hadn't happened, but if it did, it's going to just kind of over-lubricate some things. My only concern would be that if you get enough oil thrown up in to where you start to ingest some oil past the rings, it can get into your catalytic converter, Mm -hmm. and that can cause some issues. But how many miles are on the truck now, Brian? 36,000. Okay, low mileage yeah. truck like that, odds are you would have zero problems because that cat is fresh, it's hot, it just burns it up. I mean, I would probably bring it to their attention that it had happened. I mean, I wouldn't go yeah. in there screaming and hollering, but I would go down with my receipt where I had it changed again and say, look, guys, this is what happened, and yeah, see if maybe uh, they'll comp you the next all change or whatever. But I don't think you could have any trouble with it. I mean, there's, there's nothing there that's really going to hurt, particularly over a short period of time. If you did that for 100,000 miles, yeah, it'd be an issue. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I'm going to go by there Monday morning. I know the, the guy, the, the mm-hmm. service manager there, and I got the paperwork here from the shop that I just left from, and they refilled it to the correct level with mm-hmm. the correct weight oil. I just didn't know, on overflow, that thing was bypassing or something, no. and, uh, so I shouldn't have any issue with just no, 100 miles. No, uh, not at all. I mean, that kind of stuff should not ever happen, but in a shop environment, it can happen. And I tell you what most often happens, and I'm not saying this is what happened here, but most how often is the tech goes out, he's going to do the oil change, and for some reason he forgets to drain the old oil. Mm-hmm. Then he pumps the six quarts on top of it, right. and now it's over full, and it's half dirty and half clean. You know? And, yeah. I mean, that should never, ever, ever happen, but unfortunately, I guess you change enough oil, it, it can happen occasionally. and. Yeah, I noticed they got a nozzle thing where they got little buttons on it. Where yes. They hit a certain button to put a certain quantity and an engine and it's selected type and all that. Yeah, this could be my last one with this dealership because mm-hmm. it's coming out of warranty now. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason I was having my changes done there. Normally, I would bring come by your place and have you do it, mm-hmm. which I'm going to do from now on in this vehicle since it's out of warranty. But, okay, Lewis, that answered my question. Oh. I sure appreciate it. I okay. love the show. Oh, thanks, Thank Brian. you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, you got a question or a comment, just give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That can certainly happen. Unfortunately, what my experience is in a lot of dealerships, you thinking that you're getting a factory-trained technician working on the car. Right. But a lot of them, if not most of them, have an all-change lane set up, and these are not gm trained techs necessarily these are more entry-level people in fact i know some of the quick lube places have set up all change places right. in the dealership it's easy for them to sublet that service right to a lower cost type of thing you've got a factory trained tech you know he's making x dollars an hour you really almost can't afford to have him in there doing all changes sure if you do you'd be like we are we have l1 master techs doing all changes which is kind of a, I guess, a waste in a way. But in another way, you've got somebody under the car knows what they're doing, looking around and all that. So looking for problems. But we lose money probably on every all sure. change we do if you take the time we spend and the and the pay for the labor tech costs and, the, and all that we're using and factory filters. filters and all that. Right. Certainly not a big money maker for you, but 
a lot of them have gone to these quick change lube lane uh, models yeah, right like all okay. lane uh, where they'll run the oil changes through there and it's not going through the shop itself and it's just about cutting costs and offering a inexpensive oil change because people like inexpensive oil changes sure but the other side of the coin is i don't ever say you always get what you pay for anymore i always say you never get more than you pay for because right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't always get what you pay for <laughs> that's for fact sometimes you could pay and not get but let's go back to our phone lines we've got kevin on the line good morning kevin Good morning, guys. How are we doing today? Doing great, sir. Hey, I was wanting to ask you guys. I know I usually call in regarding my Audi, mm-hmm. but today I actually have a question for something you guys might be able to help me. Okay. I drive what I believe is a 2015 Transit, Ford Transit van, uh-huh. the uh, EcoBoost 3.5, mm-hmm. and I drive it on occasion. I help out a friend of mine and make deliveries for him, Okay. and I've noticed that the fuel economy in this thing is absolutely atrocious. Okay. It, it only has about 20,000 miles on it right now, but it, whenever I'm hauling a load, let's say I just have a load of, you know, boxes or whatever, it's not very much weight. Even if I'm pulling a trailer with it, pretty light little trailer, I'm only getting about 12 and a half to 13 at most yeah. miles per gallon. Even empty, I've never really seen it get more than about 15 miles per gallon, which, yeah. you know, the Sprinter, those Mercedes diesel Sprinters were right. supposed to get upwards of 20. Well, but again, that's and, a uh, diesel and this is right. gas. Sure, sure, but I had heard, you know, some people said that the EcoBoost is it's actually a pretty funny name because you can get the economy or you can get boost. You can't get both. <laughs> pretty it true. It depends on how you drive it, but even whenever you drive this thing easily mm-hmm. without having it in tow mode or anything, it really doesn't get that great a mile. No, they don't. But, but well, it's then a big, again, I am in West Virginia. There you, are a lot well, of you, here. You're pushing a great big old vehicle down the road, not aerodynamic at all, right. so there's a tremendous amount of wind load on that vehicle, and it's a fairly heavy vehicle to boot. And like you said, with the turbos, you're pumping air into the engine, and the computer's matching that air to fuel. fuel. So sure. they do make power, but in my experience, that's about the mileage they get. I mean, if it's okay. never gotten any better than that, then odds are you're not going to get any better than that. There's really nothing. I mean, there's some things you could check. You could have them check the fuel trim and make sure it's not adding fuel for any reason, like a sensor out. But most likely, it would be setting mm-hmm. the check engine light if it were. Okay. Even if the engine temperature were below spec, it would pretty much set a check engine light on that year model because it gives it so many minutes to reach operating temperature. If it doesn't, it's going to flag a light. I mean, that's okay. been my experience with that vehicle. Unless you are just absolutely a professional driver, judiciously driving, unload it, and on flat ground, you might get a little better than that. But like you said, in sure. West Virginia, you're in hilly country right. anyway. You've got to accelerate to make it up those hills. And well, and that's kind of the funny part, uh, Lewis, is I am a professional driver. Mm-hmm. I, I drive tractor trailers for a mm-hmm. living. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if I'm empty with my trailer, I can get nine miles per gallon in a tractor trailer, which right. is amazing. That's 26, 27,000 pounds right. empty. But, you know, that is a diesel. That is a large diesel. Yes. And it's not really working hard at all. Exactly uh, right. And, yeah, if you stay out of the boost, I'm sure you can get the mileage up a bit, but Anytime you start going up any grade at all, it just starts yeah. pouring that boost. Well, on. it's a little six-cylinder so. motor, so it doesn't have a whole lot of power anyway, and it's a gas motor at that, and those well, turbos are going to kick in to make the power, and when it does, that mileage is going to drop. I mean, the thing with, with diesel fuel is that there's more energy in diesel fuel. There's more oil in the diesel fuel mm-hmm. than in gasoline, so there's more energy in it, and so it's going to sure. make more energy when you burn it. And the diesel runs so much more compression, it's just the explosion is much more violent. It's just a more efficient type of engine. So that's why the mileage is always going to be higher than on a gas. I mean, I think really if Ford had a diesel decent engine, 
they, they, that's yeah, a, they well, that's could, a t- <laughs> tongue twister, diesel, diesel engine. They could have put it in there, right. but I mean, I've been real. I mean, the last real motor they had was that seven point three, in my yeah. opinion. They hadn't had a winner since then, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just they don't really get really good mileage, and you'll notice that with just about all the trucks and even SUVs. They use the same engine as some of the cars do, but they get a lot better gas mileage in the cars than they do in the trucks. Sure. Well, and that's why I figured I'd check because I didn't know if there was something that pertains to that transit van that doesn't pertain to the pickup trucks. I've heard some of the pickup trucks can get close to 20 miles per gallon. Well, it's, just, easy. it's like a big sail. I mean, it's a big old flat front van and it's dragging a lot of air behind sure. it, a lot of disturbance and all because it's built to haul a bunch of stuff. So it's a big old box. I mean, you well, start I pushing a big what? box down the road and it's... Sure. Well, and I'll I tell you one thing too. I've heard, especially on tractor trailers, you have that large rear end that's flat. Mm-hmm. And that actually drags a lot of air along with it. Mm-hmm. And that, that actually creates a lot of drag. Just well, you see a lot of them that have those sail panels the they put on the back of, for, just for that sure. reason, and they claim it helps. But Sure. Hey, can I ask you one more question? Sure, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to have my car looked at here pretty probably on Monday. I had some belt chatter on my Audi mm-hmm. A4. Okay. And I thought, well, you know, it's got 160,000 miles on it. Let's go ahead and... Um, have the belt and the tensioner changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that they'd ever been changed. So I had that done. I still had the same chatter. The tensioner was actually going back and forth pretty violently mm-hmm. at idle, especially if the car is under a load. Let's say I have the compressor turned on and the right. car is in gear just sitting there at idle. It would just make that tensioner flap around to where the tensioner was actually touching a piece of metal on itself. It had like a little dowel rod mm-hmm. that it was hitting. And it was just violent. I had done some reading, and they said that the they've gone to these overrun pulleys, which I'd never heard of before, on mm-hmm. the alternator. And they said that if that overrun pulley starts sticking to where it doesn't free spool in one direction, it, it should. It's kind of like a bicycle. You can pedal right. it forward, but you can pedal it backwards right. free. And whenever I took tension off the belt and I tried to turn that pulley, I noticed that it is stuck. It, if you turn it either way, it turns the alternator both ways. It doesn't free spool at all. So I'm going to have that changed. But is that something that uh, they've gone to? I guess that's yes. supposed to help with the belt chatter. Do you have any experience with it? Well, not on Audi, but on Chrysler uses sure. the same sort of a setup. And they've had a lot, a lot of trouble. We change those all the time. And like okay. I said, when you let off the, the gas where it's basically still spinning, it allows it to spin rather than be drugged down by the motor. And I know we change those clutches okay. out in the Chrysler products all the time. So, okay. so I wouldn't well, be surprised. I'd, well, I was getting worried because, uh, you know, I'm taking that in on Monday to get that done. Yeah, and I check that, uh, to make sure the harmonic balancer is all still good and intact because the okay. rubber in that harmonic balancer can start to break down and shift that pulley just slightly out of line with the rest of them and cause a lot okay. of that. Oh, okay. What, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. What I like to do is take a, a white paint marker or any color paint marker that you know you can see across there, and mark sure. across the rubber section between the two metal pieces of that balancer, and that way, okay. at a glance, you can look at it at a glance and say yes, it's moved or no, it hasn't. Yeah, if it slips, then you then can the see marks it. Will, yeah, the marks. And will slip. also, it should be flat. It shouldn't be higher on one side, higher on the other side, and the rubber should be perfectly even all the way around. If you see where that rubber starting to squeeze out on one side or the other, I'd replace yeah. it because. If that pulley shifts either rotationally or in or out, it's going to throw the grooves out of line with the rest of the grooves. And it doesn't take a okay. whole lot to cause a lot of problem. Well, that makes sense. Well, I'll, I'll get that checked out. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, uh, <laughs> I've heard people talk about it, uh, you know, that they have 
if they have Audis, they must have money. And I found out, yeah, if they have an Audi, they they must have had money. Must have had money before they <laughs> got it. <laughs> because I tell you what, <laughs> I, this thing, it Nick when dines me to death. Don't get me wrong, I love sitting behind the wheel. Yeah. It makes you feel like they handle bucks, they handle very well, but yeah. very expensive <laughs> well, to maintain. Look, Lewis, you talked about taking your wife out to dinner. You said, you know, I won't go out to dinner with her at a nice restaurant without being dressed up and looking right. nice because that's what she deserves. And I tell you what, when you sit behind the wheel and you're wearing that dress shirt, you just feel important. In that car. <laughs> but I tell you, it's just one thing after the other. Now I found out whenever I fill the fuel tank up and I get in the car to start it up, it doesn't want to start. Huh. And I've, I've done some reading, and I guess there is a the valve, the yes. uh, charcoal valve mm-hmm. that is up by the intake manifold can actually stick, and it won't pull vacuum on the fuel tank. So it's trying to say that my fuel tank cap is faulty. So it's just it's one thing after the other. It's a nice car, but man, you gotta yep. <laughs> you really gotta know what you're looking at on these things anymore because you, they're just getting so complex. You're exactly right. right. All well, right, guys, Kevin. thank you so much. I appreciate your help, and you guys have a wonderful day. Good. Well, thank thanks, you. Thanks for calling, Kevin. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. West. Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At AGCO, you can. Take your car to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Ah, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you may have. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. Why don't you go and give us a call? 291-6901. We'll get you right straight up to us. And should you happen to miss your opportunity this morning, you can always go to the website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button and fill out the form and send it on in. There you go. It couldn't be any easier than that. That'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Sometimes faster, just depending on how close I am to a computer at the time of day. Time of day or (laughs) where are we at? Time of year or whatever. (laughs) Well, when I'm on vacation, I don't answer as often as, say, when I'm at the shop. Because at the shop, I'm sitting at a computer all day long. So generally, when a little down goes off, you can look down and click on it. Sometimes you may get an answer and... 10 minutes or 30 minutes just depending on where i am on vacation i generally will try to check it in the morning first thing and then again if i get time i'll check it in the evening so mm-hmm. you get an answer back pretty quick regardless within 24 hours that's right <laughs> and if for any reason you don't get an answer from me always check the email address make sure that you didn't type a wrong character in because if you type a wrong character and i hit return it's just going to pop back to me and i can't figure it out so it just gets deleted right also check your spam folder because sometimes some of the security systems are set up on computers when they see something coming from a server 
they a server that sends out a lot of email, they say, well, this may be spam, and it's automatically stick it in a spam folder. So right. I always answer every email that I get. So if I don't get an answer back to you, it's either because I got the wrong return address or, or it's in the spam, in the spam folder. folder or something's gone wrong. So I never ignore an email. So if you hadn't got an answer, just send it again, check your email address, and check your spam folder. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we were talking a little bit about some of the myths of myths, automotive industry. Right. And we touched on oil and that is that the oil that was engineered for the car is engineered for the life of the car it's not going to change as right. the car gets older and you'll see all these high mileage oils and all on the market that's really more about marketing than it is any good to the customer i like to use the same oil the same brand i don't even like to change the brand of all for instance if you start out with say mobile one i don't like to go to say castor oil or pins oil or something exactly. else not that they aren't all good oils, but they're just not all necessarily compatible one with another. And, you know, we see that happening with people using the quick change oil places. Right. They'll go to this one one time and th- another one the next time and another one the next time when none of those three places use the same use oil. the same brand of oil. Well, and even the same place may not use the same oil because people, business being what it is, they've got a relationship with some vendor and they fall out or something happens or the price goes up and they change to a different vendor. Mm -hmm. Well, now the oil is different and using different oils in an engine can cause oil consumption. Yes, it can. In some Some instances. They may all be good, but they're just not all necessarily compatible. And if two of those ingredients don't jive exactly right, you can end up with an oil consumption problem. Now, one of the problems with putting, say, a thicker oil in the engine is that it can boost the oil pressure up, sort of like our first collar, and that extra oil can go through the catalytic converter and take the catalytic converter out. I know Ford and even Toyota were having some problems with catalytic converter life, Yep. and both of them resolved it by going to a thinner oil. Right. They went from a 5W30 to a 5W20. Right. And you get less volatility. The crankshaft's not beating through the oil, stirring it up quite as much because it's a little thinner oil. It can run down faster. Another thing is it can drain back to the pan faster, and it can get to, to the, the top, top of end. the engine faster. Right. So there is a reason they spec out the thinner oils on the newer vehicles, which you may notice if you buy a really new vehicle like the 2018s. My Toyota takes 0W16, right. which is a brand-new oil just for that one little engine. Right. The thinnest thing they had before that was a 020. 020, and so now, now they, it's 016, and they're working on even thinner oil. Like they are. 0W0 will be the next. <laughs> be like, but where do they go from there? Like you know? drinking water. You know? Let's see if we can catch right. a few on these phone calls. We've got Blaine on the line. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm experiencing... Uh, reduced engine power on my 2008 GMC Sierra. Uh-huh. It's been going on for, well, I've been fighting with it about two years now. Mm-hmm. I've changed the oil pressure sensor. The Well, let me back up, yeah. Blaine. When you're saying reduced, okay. you're talking about where it goes to default, where you only got about 20% of your power? Yeah, if that, it, yeah. It, sends, yeah. it sends a message on right. the instrument cluster? Blaine, I can tell you, in almost every case, that is mm-hmm. going to be one of two things. Or something in the circuit of those two things. One is the throttle body, because there's two sensors in the throttle body that tell it how much throttle it's actuating. The other is the accelerator pedal. There's two sensors in the pedal. Now, what brings that situation on is one sensor is reading zero volts at open throttle, and the other one's reading five volts at open throttle. As you begin to open throttle, the two cross each other in voltage. They have to match right dead in the center and correlate. If anything interferes with that, it's going to shut that throttle down. So something like a loose wire on the throttle body, a loose wire at the accelerator pedal will cause that. Anything that brings the 5-volt reference down 
Even so, something like a bad alternator or a bad battery can cause it to do that. But it should have a code stored in memory whenever that occurs. If you go in with a proper scan to and a code reader may not be able to get this because it can be a more of a, a network type code. But there'll be a code in there somewhere that you can get to with the right type of scan tool, and it'll tell you what area is causing the problem. But what we change most often is either the throttle body or the accelerator pedal and or the connectors at them. Right. That fixes that 99% of the time. But nothing else on the car is going to cause it to do that that I'm aware of. Okay. Yeah, I've been getting the P0641 code. Mm-hmm. For the 50 reference, mm-hmm. it's just that when it happens, I can let it sit for ten minutes and then start my truck back up. Yeah, as soon as you turn the key off, turn it back on. See, so you're resetting everything. Some, sometimes it'll clear like that. Yeah, it's moving it to history, and then it just resets a new world. Every every drive cycle is a new world until it occurs again. So let's say right. you've got a sensor that's just a hair off, and it doesn't correlate with the other sensor bam it throws it into default you cycle the ignition well if the next time around it happens to make up then it's gonna drive fine until it occurs again okay i got you but uh yeah get somebody with the proper type scan tool to go in and check that and what you'd have to do is to put a scope on the thing and see what the signals are doing and see where they're not correlating but a couple things you might just try. You might go under the dash to the accelerator pedal and just kind of wiggle those wires around a little bit and see if you can get it to act up and do the same thing at the throttle body because we change a lot of the connectors for that. The connector will get loose or get corroded, and, and they'll cause that problem. Okay. All righty. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, Blaine. All thanks, right. man. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. You want to part of the automotive hour. We've got Mike on the line. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Lewis and Brian. I uh, hope you're doing well. I enjoy the show as always. Well, thank, oh, thank you. you. Listen, I have a 2007 Hyundai Tucson with a four-speed transmission. I believe you guys have said one of the diagnostics for shutter, see what it is, is it shutters at 30 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So I think you had said before to press the brake to see if it stops it. And I've done that, and it does not stop it. Okay. But, uh, where do I go from here? Well, if it doesn't go away when you touch the brake, if, you, if, you, if you've got your foot on the accelerator and it's shuddering and you touch the brake and it does not go away, it's probably not going to be torque converter lockup, which is one of the things that can cause that. Now, many other things can cause a shutter at that speed. I would suspect, have you tried letting off the fuel and, and see if it goes away? Well, yeah, it'll, yeah, I can't say for sure. Yeah, try, that's yours. I do know try sometimes when, you, when it kind of, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, try when you're going that speed and it's, it's really predominant. Let off the gas and see if it gets better or goes away. And then accelerate back and see if it gets worse. If so, I would start looking at like the inner CV joint. Inner joint won't click and it won't do any of the stuff the outer joint will do, but it will cause a vibration normally under load and at a certain speed. And it doesn't necessarily mean the CV joint itself is bad. You could have something like a broken motor mount that's allowed it to get out of line that can cause that. The key is that when you accelerate and decelerate, it will change it. It may not go completely away. It may get worse, but it will change on acceleration and deceleration. So get it up to the speed where it's doing it. Let off the gas and see if it gets a little better or, or gets worse or goes away. Okay. If so, and if it the, does go away, then that would lead to... I would start looking at the CV axles. See, you could have, okay. a, you could have a bad so, inner joint on one side. You could have a broken engine mount that's got them in a bind. You get all kinds of things. you got to do a little detective work from there. But that is uh, also you might grab those CV joints where they go in transmission and just kind of shake them, make sure there's not an excessive amount of slack up and down. There's going to be some, some, but not a lot. 
Yeah, if, if those side carrier bearings go bad in the transaxle, it can also cause right. that to, to shuttle like that. But that kind so of sort of sounds like... why would it do it only like, at 30 miles, you know, at 30 Just miles a harmonic, that's just where it picks up. Okay. Just like any vibrations, right. can have one speed yeah. where it's more predominant than others. Uh, can I stick one more in here? Sure, go ahead, sure. I've always wanted to know your opinion on which auto manufacturers you seem to find stand behind their original warranties best. Hmm, that's... Good question. I would say, Mike, uh, probably Toyota is one of the better ones for sure in that not only will they stand behind their warranty, if they have a known problem, they will generally extend that warranty. Right. GM I mean, most, is not too most bad. Most of them are going to stand behind their warranty up to a certain mileage. Yeah, whatever it is. And, but what you're really looking for is, like Lewis was saying, the companies that are going to extend the policy if they know they've got a problem, they're willing to help you, they're willing to work with you. Right. That would be the ones. I got to say, and Ford Toy- is probably one of the worst in that you almost got to have a class action suit against them to make them come anything, up. Like when yeah. they had that intake manifold that would split wide open, they'd have a class action suit before they would cover it. Same right. thing with the break off spark plugs. They just seem to have the attitude they're not going to take care of anything out of warranty. The warranty is a warranty, and that's it. But a lot of them, under certain circumstances, will cover things. I find Toyota is one of the best about doing that. I know, like, that dashboard thing they had yeah. where the dashes were cracking and all that. They yeah, came they extended back. the warranty uh, out That little four-cylinder engine they had where they were consuming too much oil, they came back to 150,000 miles or so. Right. They rebuilt the engines and all. So, I mean, if I had to pick one, I would say yeah. it would be them. But I, a lot of them are pretty good about it. That's great, guys. You you confirmed my thought as far as Toyota and Ford, so I appreciate mm-hmm. that. <laughs> <Back up. laughs> okay, Mike, so how's the weather out there in Fort Lauderdale? Take a guess. July in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine. I'm sure you guys know what that's all about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Okay, right, Mike. Take care. Thank, Thank you. Call, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. we got to take a quick little break. WC, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie... (laughs) me my car into agco for a general inspection keep your car on the road longer schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go hey welcome back you just join us the automotive hour i'm your host lewis alzan with mr brian terry hatred tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have and we've got wc's been patiently holding good morning wc hey dr lewis how are you doing great man doing good yeah, I got this Lincoln, the 75 Lincoln Mark IV here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm having some issues with the vacuum system on it. Okay. Put everything on there pretty much wet by vacuum. Yeah, right. The lights will leak up after it's been shut off about, I guess, an hour and a half or so. They'll leak back up on me. Mm-hmm. So I was looking around on the day. I did find a hose or two that was in, had kind of, 
I guess had a little pinholes in it, so I cut all that off and put it back, and I put a new one on there. Mm-hmm. And put a new uh, small pump, which I put one on a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, still, it does the same thing. So I was wondering if you had any ideas. Yeah, it should be a big vacuum canister somewhere underneath the hood yeah, that stores the vacuum. That one is metal too, I believe. I it think like it big, was almost like a grapefruit can. Can that's painted black with two lines in it, and. The grommets on that thing can go bad. They just dry rot over time, right. and it just won't hold vacuum. But that's where the vacuum is stored, mm-hmm. is in that canister. I'm not sure exactly where it was located on there, Willie. Down on the fender well somewhere. Man, I don't remember. Ford put them everywhere. Yeah, you just have to find yeah. that. I mean, about the only way to really find that is to smoke test it. Take a smoke machine, hook into the vacuum system, and pump it full of smoke and see where the smoke comes out because it had... I mean, it must have been a mile of vacuum. Yeah, line half in that mile car. of vacuum tubes on there that ran all the different functions and all. And you know, with the age of the car, where those plastic lines come together, usually connect with a piece of rubber, and that rubber dry rots and yeah. breaks and falls off. Yeah, I mean, I think even the the air conditioning doors in the box were all vacuum operated. They were. So you got vacuum inside the car, you got vacuum outside the car. I mean, it's just a matter of trying to find it. Yeah, you just have to locate it and repair it, and once you do that, you'll be back yeah. like you were. But yeah, on a car that age, there's no telling which one or ones have deteriorated over the years. Yeah, it's been sitting up since I think he fixed that brakes on it when my brakes were locking up on right. it. Mm-hmm. I think I've been on the miles since then. Really. Oh, darn, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you can take, take that thing out and ride it, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to come by and get you. We'll go get us ice cream cone. Well, I was about to say, man. <laughs> we we go ride around that car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, look, I'm a, I think I'm going to make a body and let y'all play with it a while. I, I done done about all I can do with it with my whole back. Yeah, it's going to probably be difficult to find without some kind of a way to a visual. Yeah, visual yeah. clue like a smoke machine or something. Michael, get you a big old cigar now and take a puff of it, blow it in one of them lines. You could do the same thing. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. re- reading in that book, I was looking in the manual there. It was telling you it, it will leak up after it don't run a, a period of time. It will. It will yeah. eventually no, leak they, out. They go right back down once you crank it up, and they'll stay. But I just like for everything to be working like it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to hold vacuum forever. It's not right. that tight of a system. I mean, it's... It's designed to where if the car dies or something, it'll maintain vacuum long enough for you to get stopped and all that sort of thing. But it's not going to keep vacuum for hours and hours and hours. You know, it's, it's yeah. going to eventually leak down, just mm-hmm. the nature of the device. Okay, well, we're going to chase it down. Me and you and Mr. Terry, we, we, we'll find it. <laughs> that sounds good, all right, man. man. I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good weekend. You're thank doing you, an man. excellent job. Well, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. We're talking a little bit about just automotive myths. fallacies and myths that right. have pervaded the automotive industry and some of the damage that they can cause and what have you. Another is, and we've had calls on this, and that is if you have not serviced your transmission in a long period of time, be it 100,000 miles, whatever, then that, don't service it because it'll go out. Right. And, again, that is a complete myth. That is. is not so a proper service can never ever hurt a transmission and the key word there is a proper proper service, service. not that, a flush not doing the service wrong right i mean you could certainly go in and do a improper service and, and cause, cause a problem sure. but that is a true whether you got twenty thousand miles or a hundred thousand miles it's not gonna make a difference obviously if you go in and you knock a wire off a solenoid. Or you cut the seal. Cut when you the, put the seal, seal on the filter. Don't get the filter set in correctly. Don't put enough fluid back in it. Put too much fluid back in it. Put the wrong fluid back in it. There right. are always things that can go wrong. 
And that's why the key is to select someone who knows what they're doing to do a transmission service. And especially on today's transmissions. Yeah, the newer ones without the dipsticks now are a lot more tricky than the older ones were. And if you want to do it yourself, that's fine, well, and good. But just get the information, get service data on it, read how it's done, and do it properly. As long as it's properly done, you're not, not a problem. Yeah, you're not going to have a problem with it. The service itself did not cause the problem. If anything, it was the 200,000 miles without, without service it. that caused the problem. Sure. And many times people will wait too late, start having a problem, bring it in for a service, hoping it's going to fix it, and, and, and it, it just doesn't, doesn't fix it. It can't so undo it, the damage that's there. Right. So it's always been considered that the service killed it. Right. But it's, it's not the case at all. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Cordell online. Good morning, Cordell. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good, good. Look, I have a uh, 2002 Toyota Tacoma pre-runner. Mm-hmm. I have 250,000 miles on it. Okay. And the problem that I'm having, I'm, I'm having a capping in the engine. Okay. And I was advised to use Lucas Oil. Is that good for the engine? If it's kind of tapping in the engine, Cordell, and it didn't have it before with the oil that you had, something is going wrong. I mean, I would go in and have the problem checked and see what it is. Some tapping noises are serious. Some are not. It may be something that you really don't have to be concerned with too much, and then again, it may not be. But I would not put a different oil in the engine, particularly with that many miles, right. because you may start consuming a lot of oil if you do. You know, when okay. you when you change your oil, then you're you're changing the additives and stuff that are in there. That can react and cause the engine to start burning a bunch of oil, and it's not likely at all to fix the problem, particularly on a higher mileage engine. Now, a few of the things that kind of sound like a tap, does it get worse when the engine gets hot, or does it get better when the engine gets hot? Well, normally when I crank it up in the morning, Mm -hmm. and pretty much if I run it through the day, it'll still, if I leave it out, I'll still hear that tapping off. It's consistent throughout the day? Right. Yes. Yeah, it could be a valve that's starting to tap or something like that. I mean... That kind of miles. 250,000 yeah. miles is a lot of mileage. I would want to have someone who knows what they're doing check it, diagnose the noise, find out what it is, and then you can make a decision from there whether you want to address it because sometimes the fix is worse than the problem. Okay. All right. Now, would you recommend flushing the engine? No. Mm-mm. No, absolutely not, particularly not one with that much miles on it because all you can do is get in there and start stirring stuff up, which can restrict the further force restrict, and stuff further right. and cause more problems. No, I would probably... If I want to do something, I would go to maybe more frequent oil changes with the same oil you've been using all along. In other words, if you're changing at 5,000 miles now, maybe go to 3,000 miles. Because oil is the best detergent and the safest detergent you can put in the engine. And make sure you're using a Toyota filter in it. Yeah, vehicle. use a Toyota oil filter if you're not already. And don't, don't use the aftermarket oil filters on them. They're just not quite as good. But more frequent oil changes with a good filter is the safest and best way to clean that engine up if it can be cleaned. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. All right, Mr. Cardell. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take our last little quick break. Claude, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. 
Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I I mean vehicle. Uh, Improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us to the final segment of the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And between two of us, we will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. We have got Claude's been patiently holding. Good morning, Claude. Hey, I'm calling. I got a 2001 Silverado 1500, mm-hmm. and I had the transmission serviced in it, and uh, they changed the oil and the filter and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, after he did that, it, when he took my test drive, he asked me if I was having any problem with it. I said, no, sir. And he dropped it back down and he unplugged the wire on it. Plugged that back in, but my tow haul hasn't worked since. The, mm. the little light on the dash yes, sir. put it on tow haul. Mm-hmm. And I had somebody else, when they dropped it down, looking at it, if another wire came loose. They said they didn't see anything. What do you think that problem may be? Most likely going to be a wire somewhere, Claude, because that's all run through the computer. That's Class 2 serial data, and as long as it gets a signal, it ought to be operating. Now, you could have a switch gone bad, or the light bulb could be, have gone out in it. I it, mean, those are all possibilities. Possible. Does anything change when you push the button that you can tell, or just does nothing at all? Not that I could tell. And, and what the tow haul actually does, it makes longer shifts. Well, it's one of the things. Yeah, it right. does a number. It changes the shift strategy. It also changes the charging strategy. It does a number of things. But with a proper scan tool, you can push the button and see if it's actually going to tow haul or not. Right. Because like Brian said, it could be the indicator light is gone. But most likely, it's not receiving the signal. And it's just a pulse signal. The little switch and the gear shifters do go out sometimes. It could be something like that. I'm a little concerned that somebody that knocked that many wires off yeah. doing a transmission service, I probably choose somebody else to work on the thing in the future for sure but it's yeah. it's all pretty much software beyond that it's just a pulse that goes in and once it gets that pulse it, the computer it runs a different software to change the strategies there's nothing mechanical to it if i was to bring it to a transmission shop they ought to be able to oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah even yeah. a general repair shop can, right. can do that it's not a real difficult thing if you got the right tooling to do it yeah that guy went out of business at a brother i'm not surprised mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Claude. Thank you, man. Bye, bye. Uh huh. All right, just winding on up here. Got time for just a little bit more. We're talking about some of the fallacies and stuff in the automotive industry. One that comes to my mind, and that is, as long as your car is running fine, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Don't change the spark plugs. Uh huh. In other words, if it's idling good and the mileage is good, don't change the spark plugs. And that is completely wrong nowadays because. It's not like the old days when a spark plug gap would get too wide, the engine would start idling rough, or the fuel mileage would fall off, or it would start misfiring. Right. Today's engines are computer-controlled. Each one has a call per plug. And when that gap gets too wide, that call is just going to increase the duty cycle on it, and it's going to keep burning that plug until it it just can't handle it anymore. It will fire that plug even with the gap probably 50% wider than it should be, but the duty cycle is going to burn the call pack up 
which is going to cost you a whole lot more than replacing the plugs, and you still got to change the plugs. Exactly. I see we are just about out of time. Start winding on up. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find a written review and fill it out for us. There you go. When you fill out those written reviews, what happens is if people punch in auto repair, it'll move us up close to the top of the ranking so more people will click on us. More people click on us, more people listening, the longer we can do the show. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.